Mentality Monsters I'm going to use the word with the orange well rugby done. team Someone press that arm Take it off Liverpool <laughs> Let's take it off the Reds and let's attach it to the Orlin rugby team OTB AM Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app Ryan O'Driscoll on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now you're welcome along so World Cup hype into overdrive here we go Brian O'Driscoll is in studio good evening you're very welcome good evening Joe as a, a follow on from our Mac Hansen conversation the other week I just saw The Guardian did various like uh, favourite moments of tournament they've given quote of the tournament to Mac Hansen who this week somehow I missed this but uh, their best quote of the tournament was I don't actually hate English people (laughs) 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 Mac Hansen needs to clarify (laughs) thanks for thanks for confirmation of that Mike (laughs) Uh, so amazing weekend for everybody there must have been a photo finish on some of his comments in fairness there was at least four quality ones that could have been in the uh, in the final there yeah one grand slam in 125 years and suddenly three and 15 Uh, Beautiful scenes. Yeah, great scenes. And obviously the fact that, you know, it was, it was in the first one in Dublin, um, in you know the prof- professional era, obviously, I saw that there was one person that was certainly one person that was present in 48 that was at the game, wow. which is amazing. I saw a picture of him and his, and his family. He looks pretty good. Don't know how old he was. He must have been in short pants at the time. But um, amazing that wonder having seen all four of them um, and this one um, in in the Aviva but it was uh, it was brilliant you know it, I, it, there's nothing takes the gloss off it you know I think it probably wasn't quite the spectacle that we had all hoped for um, and I think depends on what who you talk to what were people hoping for a, a bashing of England or a really great game that it was nip and tuck. It obviously was that, but maybe not the quality that we had seen from Ireland over the course of of the Six Nations. But nonetheless, it didn't take the shine off. Ultimately, the post-match celebrations, the you know winning it at home, the stadium packed for forty-five minutes afterwards, all of that good stuff. So it was, yeah, it was great to be there. Yeah, Johnny Sexton had said his kids know they don't get to go onto the pitch. Unless Daddy wins, <laughs> is that is that that's the rule? Yeah, he's a tough taskmaster. You know, that, that would I get be, that. I get that. <laughs> that I would be that. A, a sexton rule, I would imagine. I don't know what what. Maybe we're all getting a bit old and soft. The kids add something to it. It's just yeah, beautiful. It's mad how that's come on, right? Because I was talking to my, I was over with my folks on uh, Sunday, and um, and they were like, oh, the kid. There was not very few kids back in in your day in 09. Like it was never really a thing. They didn't immediately go to the to the stands for those that did have them Hayes and one or two over others um, but it wasn't a thought like that you would go and celebrate with those that are nearest and dearest obviously you can't celebrate with your missus out on the pitch but but you're you know the, the obvious thing to do is is enjoy it with them um, I got to bring my daughter out obviously from my last game at home and that was a really lovely moment to share with her albeit she was very young Were the other players doing that? That was just you and her, was it? That was just me and her then, yeah. 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 Um, but it was, it's really kind of developed into a thing. But yet, if you think about football all those years ago with United's early wins and you think about all of the footballers had their young children, they were in their young 20s, mid-20s, um, 
that was all that's always been a football component right celebrating with family whereas it become it's a relatively new component to our game but it's a, I think it's a great addition yeah as a sorry as a father and I'm no, sure you would you would concur no, even you know, if I wasn't I would think it's beautiful I mean at one point I was like geez Bundyaki go easy you know like HIA protocol here if this kid yeah <laughs> come down gently <laughs> uh, so he was riding an extra porter and that was amazing um, but it's beautiful like my sense is uh, 09 territory I mean the kids would have been getting beer in the face that didn't seem to be as much <laughs> part of it in 23 uh, but it was great and um, there was a debate about the music oh, I love a bit of um, okay. Gala Free From Desire yeah. what, that is a tune to get to get the, get any place bouncing I liked it I was a big fan of that we're that is a tune that I would always lean back on we're in the minority it would say. are we? apparently Last night's straw poll textures. Oh, I think that's. I think everyone's wrong. We're right. <laughs> okay. Um, why did Ireland not? Do you think play their uh, vintage best stuff? I think it was largely to do with England. You know, I think the pressure they exerted, you know, defensively, really um, squeezed them. Didn't England didn't commit excessively to the rook? Um, very organised got really good spacings and really flew off the line almost on a few occasions to their to their detriment and I when I watched it back earlier you know there was a few three incidents in the first 15 minutes where Ellis Genge tried to take a flyer and read something the first rook of the game he's the fifth defender now ordinarily in most defensive systems the third defender will take the first man i.e. the, the full back or the, where the first ball player or the out half the first ball player whereas Genge lined up at fifth and came shooting in on Johnny to try and put pressure or maybe get a hit and Johnny just popped it off and actually the knock on effect is straight away the outside defender at six becomes a scrambler and they, Ireland almost get in behind them so that's as a quite a fancy on Genja's part what you think yeah I think just yeah it's like it, that energy going I'm, I'm, I'm laying down the law from very early on that I'm going to be the, I'm going to be this guy but then he did it a few minutes later where um, he was at guard and Johnny threw a pass across Peter O'Mahony into Josh van der Fleer by, the, by a rook and Genge tried to take a shooter on Peter O'Mahony and get ball and all and completely Johnny played him and, and Willis actually made a phenomenal tackle from the negative guard on the far side of the rook and scragged Josh down really was a brilliant tackle and then the third one was um, what was that one yeah, shooting up. Oh, yeah, he shot up again on Johnny. And then Ribbons, who's outside him, has to take the short. There's a dog leg, has to take the short runner, which is Josh. And then Hugo goes, breaks through and, and you know, was one tackle away from scoring. So there's three moments. You, you, it's a fine line between that pressure and then not screwing your team and leaving them behind. That's why um, line speed as, as a as a unit is really important rather than one person going all out. And if one person is going all out, then everyone else has to be in a unit. You can't have that V formula uh, formation where everyone's kind of coming at different angles. I think you have to allow for the shooter to go if you're playing shooter and then everyone just sit in behind it and, and deal with whatever comes if that shooter misses. So... Yeah, it's, it worked well, though, in many cases. You know, I'm talking about the negatives from England's point of view. I think the pressure that they put on our first pod, have you ever seen as many balls go to ground from that first ball player? 
Doris furlong a couple of times. Um, just just a lack of cohesion because I'm sure they were getting up in the def- in in the attacking eye line. The uncertainty around getting caught man and ball, um, and the ferocity that comes with those collisions as well. I, I you have to pay huge credit to to that English defence who were able to kind of scare us into making errors when other teams haven't managed to do it. This Six Nations. Mm. So everything you've described more than Irish nervousness uh, yeah I'm sure there was probably an element of that in there but I, I would definitely I, I would I think just understanding the psychology of this Irish team albeit there was a trophy and there was a lot of pressure on them to deliver and the huge expectation I, I think a lot of it came down to yeah, exerted pressure rather than getting out of formation or getting their lines wrong or just being a bit twitchy, I think. And maybe there was an aspect of that, but I do feel as though, for the most part, that comes as a result of someone in your island, someone not allowing you to play the way other teams had allowed them over the course of Six six Nations. And their line speed was far greater than anyone else's, in truth. Okay. Because it was interesting on the Virgin commentary, Andrew Trimble at one stage said, maybe just a bit more depth here would be a good solution for Ireland and Andy Dunn was in last night and he was saying as well probably just on account of being very enthusiastic and eager maybe the Irish line was a bit flat and that played into the English line speed hands but he was saying they did very well to rectify that as the game went on Yeah, do you know what I've I've said it before the last thing you want to do is get deeper and allow them to come on to because if they then make a good read your way, their way over the advantage line. So a lot of the time you're meant to take the ball flatter against the rush defence because there is a point comes where they have to slow to make a decision. And, and you know, you can't just continue flying up and we'll come on to that because I think that's relevant to the steward red card about, you know, the speed at which you come in because now in the modern game, you know, if you don't leave yourself any room for maneuverability or a change of direction and you catch someone you know untoward or high or with a shot or late or, or with a flailing arm it's every likelihood you're going to go to the bin or a red card so now there has there's a there's probably a meter between players where they're going to have to slow down before making a decision to see what tackle is necessary and so if you do that if the further you you are deep um, the more they have an opportunity to close that space and play on the front foot. Whereas you take it to them, yes, they might get initially off the line two or three metres, but they are going to have to cool the jets a little bit and that's where you have your opportunity to pick a pass and, and, and force them you know, to be less aggressive. <laughs> Rugby is such a technical sport. So it's, like, it's funny, what Andrew Trimble and Andy Dunn described made such perfect sense to me. And then you're saying, well, maybe, you know, you get you get deep and you're playing into their hands a touch. Would there be general agreement on the best solution against mm, rush defence? No, I think that's always the way I've looked at it, okay. that you t- you almost try and take ownership of it and go, OK, if you're coming like that, well, let's put you in a really uncomfortable spot. And even when, like, at times there was an Irish player trying to offload to his left and suddenly there's an English player between the two Irish jerseys. It all felt very cramped there. Yeah, but that's great smother defence. That's what you expect from, you know, the 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 person that's making the tackle, you have your um 
you have your hustle on your inside when the ball moves out you become the hustle and then on the What's outside the, hustle, the hustle is just someone that works hard so outside of their channel so if I'm the second defender and the ball's passed to the first attacker or further out I'm hustling on the inside to make sure I'm their support okay in case someone steps off their outside foot and comes back, back into in. your channel you're next that's to that you person, yeah. and then on the outside is your jam so someone that realises that the ball's being taken into contact and you jam in and maybe lock the ball up or you secure it or maybe there's an opportunity for you to pill for ball if you go to deck but also that jam has to have an ability to be able to bounce out as well because if you stay in there stay in the rook it means more players are going to have to fold around the corner yeah. on that keep on going side How many words are there for rugby? Oh, Sorry that's terminology from from my time so I don't know whether it's it's moved on but I don't think it probably not, I would imagine you know, different teams use different. Well, they know, do actually. They do actually because Andrew Trimble was telling me that he had been listening to you a couple of weeks ago, and all the phrases you used, uh, creeping and different things like that. He was like, "Oh yeah, we've different words for them in Ulster." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, what chance do any of us have then?" <laughs> yeah, and it's and, and sometimes I, I sometimes think with the podcast, too, are we getting too specific to the units of our teams that we've been involved in? But there's the same plays like things like the Brumbies and, and different plays that you've seen over the course of our career yeah. are used by the same teams but just are, slight, are named slightly differently have the Brumbies spawned more plays than anyone mm, like I don't know back in the 80s well that's that's the one that really stands out but like every, there was, there every, was one every play is a Brumby play no there was, a, there was I don't know who came up with the baffler which was a play in 99 that Australia ran in the World Cup where it was kind of, it was really, it was strange where it went 10 to 12 and he turned and then full back ran short, 10 looped around and then 13 came in the space between 12 and 15 running short. It was literally, it was baffling. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, did did Brumbies come up with that initially as well? You don't see much of the baffler these days, but Brumbies still going strong. Uh, did you get a sense at any stage that this is starting to look like one of those days or was it, you know, no. akin to Murrayfield, this is going to be fun? Yeah, yeah. I've never, and at no point did I feel as though we weren't going to win. Okay. And even at a 10-9, and I know we were only one point up with 20 minutes to go, but it just felt as though there was going to be another gear. And also, we'd gotten into too much of a kick and test in the first 15 minutes of the second half. I'm not saying the strategic kicking to the open space where they were down a man there was some really clever stuff from Johnny on that but I thought when we got into kick tennis in that first 15 minutes that that they won more than we did and we got drawn into a bit of an arm wrestle which is exactly what suited them and not us so is it difficult if someone's kicking the ball very deep to you like they were not to play kick tennis well it is if they've got a good kick chase which they did England have always been a good kick chase team led by Owen Farrell and that's such an attitude thing and it's easy to fix that particularly when you've had a beating the previous week yeah. well what do you what do you fix you fix your defense you fix your your um, your honesty and your integrity in in, in your role yeah. and that is you know kick chase and working hard for the team and getting up off the ground and those non-negotiables that sometimes slip that when you get a pasting then you you can just pair it back to going well that's not good enough that's not good enough you can fix it in a week. You yeah. can fix that in a week. And kick chase is one of those. It's such an attitude piece because yes, okay. you can run hard or you can run sort of hard. If I'm Hugo Keenan and I run and scurry and get a ball and I look up and there's an English wall coming towards me, 
I'm playing kick tennis. But also, a lot of that is dependent on whether he has to turn for it, whether um, it hits grass. So I think there's other variables that come into, you know, before he even turns yeah. to, to think about what his options are, he's probably got a good idea on the basis of what type of kick has come and what success they have had out of it before he gets to it yeah. as to what his choice of decision making is going to come down to. And then in the rare case that it's a really poor kick chase on a very good kick, yeah then he'll have an opportunity to kick it. Whereas if you're last man and the support is a bit, a, you know, a, bit, a bit ahead of you, of course the percentage play is to put it up in the air or kick it long and make sure that you don't give away the point in that particular phase. And are kickers always looking to hit grass? Or are they sometimes going for height to bite? No, 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 of chance? course. Yeah, at times you're looking kick contest, you're looking, you know, the, there's, you know, the, there's that clearance kick, semi-clearance kick, semi kind of Gary Owen that you kick from just inside your 22 cross field to land on the fourth on the between the 40 and the and the halfway line where it's a semi kick contest you mightn't get to it yourself but you're going to be right on the full back there and the idea is knock them down immediately you're going forward putting focus on their um, support play to make sure they get back and regenerate and if you can make an, uh, if it's a very good kick and you can put it in the five metre channel there's a chance you can knock him into touch or put him to deck immediately and then you are on the front foot so there's tactics around what type of kicks depending on where you are in the field but now there's if you're kicking long you know in, in most cases you ideally want to hit grass because yeah. you don't know what bounce is going to come off a rugby ball and that's why By you know that, yeah exactly as soon as you catch someone on the full and, and, and that, like they say the difference between a full back coming front onto a ball or a full back having to go over you know ball going over his shoulder and looking at his own try line versus having to look at the at the oppositions are two very different psychological moments in what your next option is and mm. um, as for the, I mean, well, the the sex, the Baird steal and the Sexton kick and mm. Henshaw try, and I think everyone in the stadium said, "Well, finally, Grant." Mm. Ireland only behind. I was reading for fifty-four minutes total across this entire Grand Slam winning championship, and never once in the second half have Ireland been behind in this Grand Slam. It's about as dominant a Grand Slam as you'll remember. Yeah, it was. It, it didn't feel even at one point with twenty minutes to go. You know. If, if you looked at stat board you'd think oh well it couldn't have been that easy but it, that wasn't reflective of, of certainly not my sense of comfort to where this to what this team was going to deliver in the last 15-20 minutes particularly being a man up um, and having you know very good operators pulling um, pulling the strings at halfback particularly Johnny knowing where to get the ball to space to bounce um, and keeping the team going forward so it, it, yeah it was. I think it was a very comprehensive Grand Slam if, if there is such a thing um, because in in none of the games that I ever free it didn't go down to the last five minutes at any point it was it was done with Ten minutes to go in all cases in the two most difficult games being the second, the penultimate, and and the final game, um, and and I suppose maybe to to a point against France the ring rose try, but it, it, that was still, you know, icing on the cake. I think the job was done at that stage. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it was uh, a lot to enjoy. And I know Andy F- um, Dunn talked about 
you know the six tries from Ireland I, I still think that is so significant we talked about the Ireland um, defence last week six tries conceded five games in six nations is remarkable considering the way the game is being played now yes maybe 20 years ago the way three pointers were being kicked and, and penalties won games that's not the case anymore penalties don't win games mm. tries now win games and so teams are searching for it they're giving up three points to go to corners and so they're giving themselves way more opportunities to score five points to seven pointers so um yeah, the fact that we managed to to only concede um, six tries, one of them an intercept, is is the real takeaway for me from the Six Nations. Okay, and further to your point, actually, record number of tries in the competition this year, ninety one, which beats the eighty six of twenty twenty one. So it's going that way. So six of the ninety one against Ireland. Uh, that's 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 top defence. Yeah, the lads were making the point last night. I used to be a little bit under the radar. You know, we're not... Simon, excuse me. Guy's 52 today. Happy birthday, Guy. Happy birthday, excuse me. Uh, That proves my point. Uh, We don't... He just... Going about his business. Yeah. Doing an extraordinary job. And uh, everyone's quick to talk O'Connell and Mike Catt and, of course, Andy Farrell. But uh, there he is in the coach's box, masterminding six tries in five games. Yeah, that's... Like... He's obviously been given licence to go and do that, but that's huge... Um, it's an ability to be able to put across to very very talented players your concept of as to how you're going to be that miserly and allowing individuals to have roles Ring Rose in particular James Lowe even when I looked about it, looked at it with, Eng, with the England game trying to make the occasional shoot and read and he got caught out a couple of times against Italy but he was a little bit better once or twice against England of forcing the attacker back inside to the strength of the defence that's a big focus you flagged that early on actually that's a big focus of Ireland now where they can to be able to just be they're disruptors in defence and they're doing they're doing their own thing it's definitely there's no one else I think has a style like what Ireland are trying to achieve they're very very good at not having any dead bodies on the on on the ground you know we used to call them logs you know lying on the ground with no having no effect now it's speed to feet is huge regeneration in attack and defense is a real point of difference for this Ireland team um, an ability to be able to do a job and, a, and, a, and at least another half a job in every defensive situation so if you're, an, you're a tackler getting back to your feet and getting in posting up close around the rook or if you're stuck in behind the rook getting up again and just nudging the rook making that ball a little less secure for the opposition just n- not giving anyone an easy ride out of out of you know speed of rook ball which is everything in the modern game yeah you, you've referenced the red card a few times I've never ever ever heard such disparity in an interpretation of a moment uh, from lots of people saying red card to lots of people saying yellow to Bernard Jackman last night and against the head saying he didn't even think it was a penalty now, that, yeah. that is the full yeah. spectrum there what do you take what's your take before I get into it because I'm, I'm interested because you don't always get to see to give your opinion, you know, particularly from a TV point of view or an anchor point of view. So, what what do you reckon? Uh, I understand the red argument and reluctantly accept it, but in my in my bones, I feel a yellow, a touch more. Now, Andy Dunn thinks, and he's the only person I've heard say it. If you were, weren't listening last night, he thinks 
uh, Stuart's I only had milliseconds it was not intentional even though intent isn't yeah. um, relevant to the law he thinks actually you know he, he probably knew what he was doing and in his experience on a pitch you know where your elbow is and where someone's head is at all times although he did say in real time he didn't think that so slow motion can, mm. can skew things so yeah. look I understand like Gordon Darcy for instance he tweeted uh, it's unlucky but red regardless Keenan clearly regathering the ball and Stuart needed to be in a position to make a tackle he wasn't so he ended up clattering him in the head it's exactly the same as a player mistiming a guy in the air why wasn't he in a position to make a tackle that's, that's, that's my point in all of this so what is it I don't think he can take the collision in isolation without looking at the lead into it and I think this is where the modern game has to go in my opinion in that the speed of players arriving to a contact point if it's out of control and it doesn't leave any margin for error or reaction time and you find yourself in a position where well I, I, what could I do I couldn't vanish means you're already in a danger spot means that oh I, you know I was just there to brace the speed at which he came into the collision I don't think players can do that anymore and justify that put their hands up and say oh, you know that I, I was just I found myself in, a, in an unfortunate spot at the end the two are ultimately aligned mm. there's a responsibility now for the defender to come in and we're trying to outlaw that rugby league two lads charging at one another and leave a slight movement or variation of footwork where a flailing arm all of a sudden catches a player higher catches on the chin like that's a red card yeah. so in a, in a watered down version of that that's for me what um, Stewart did okay. he came charging into the into close down the space but if you come charging in and you don't have reaction time to be able to change your movements necessarily the duty of care is with you and not with the attacker yes and and that's why I yes he, it was a natural instinct to brace but you can't brace when another player is picking the ball up and in possession of the ball. Yeah, that's that not makes, good enough. That makes a lot of sense. So he created that dynamic by rushing. He did. He point. did, and that's what it is. I, I, I get. I, of course, I have sympathy because in the past that's a rugby incident. I think in the modern game of how we're trying to um, future-proof it and and reduce these unnecessary head collisions and that for me is one of them the only way that that happens is if he comes in at a different speed um, where he'll even if even if Keenan reacts slightly differently the force won't be as great to justify a red card that will be mitigated down to a yellow card okay. whereas the force was so severe because of the speed he came into the collision that I don't think Jaco Piper under the remit of what you know the checklist now is on the laws I think he got it spot on personally well, it's, yeah, it's hard to argue with that that's why there's no mitigation because Buddy you came in at that speed so yeah yeah there, like what's, yeah. what's you know you know, is there mitigation in? Well, it was a, it was a knock on. Well, if it, if it was, if he saw it as a knock on, he immediately should have cooled the jets a bit, slowed up, yeah. and gone. Okay, this is going to be. Whereas the acceleration continued, even though it looked for all money. And I know we're looking at it retrospectively with multiple replays, but in real time, you know when a ball has gone forward enough to know that it's a knock on. So you. 
it, it, it is the challenge of making decisions within hundreds of a second and that is the difficult thing and that's why you will always have an element of sympathy for him in this but I think the big learning from this is about changing behaviours about players not being in a position to come charging in and hold their hands up when they catch someone you know in an unfortunate situation or that old school you know rugby incident yeah. where actually the ownership and the responsibility is now with you to get into that space in a safer way and and to be in a position to be able to put in a, a, a fair and concise tackle or to be able to abort from a situation without causing major yes. damage to the uh, to the oncoming attacker. That's very fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, it I had a real, you know... Go on. Like, I, I was... When I saw it, I didn't see it in real time. And then the first replay, we're in studio and I was with Clive and Johnny uh, Wilkinson and Bestie. And as soon as I saw it, I said, that's going to be red because of the laws. And then they were like, no, no, no. And then at half time, Clive came in and, and talked about, oh, I think it was a yellow. And, and my point was that genuinely, we're now at a crossroads where we've got to think about the game in 20 years' time and, and, and participation levels. And of course you don't want to sanitise the game from what it is now, and there will be accidents, but I think you've got to, um, we've got to draw a line in the sand as to what is going to be acceptable to allow that to be the case in 20 years' time. And we've got to make har some hard, harsh calls here and now and I got I don't know what the situation is to this point but I, I really hope that you know World Rugby or Six Nations don't retract or, or um, redact the the, um, the the red card and, and, and back the officials because I think on the process and protocol of going through in the checklist I think they did get it uh, spot on because of you know the you know what we've just talked about and, the, and particularly the speed into that space yeah it did on Saturday I mean extraordinary given it was a grand slam and a first one in Dublin it did feel every bit as much about Johnny Sexton as about Ireland I mean oh, the, totally the palpable totally. love for him was yeah. in the air you would have a sense of what it's like to be you know at the centre of that and also knowing that the horizon is coming and the end is coming um what do you think, where is he in his head at the moment? Do you think he's loving rugby or do you think he's feeling a certain pressure or a bit of both? Yeah, Celebrations were like, I'm sure you've seen the little uh, shot of him over with his family when he did come off and he did this little handshake mm, thing. Yeah, with his, yeah, so, I yeah. mean, like again, he's, he, he does seem to be in a lovely, lovely place. Yeah. What's your read on him? Yeah, I think that's, that's it. Um, strange, I'm actually out for dinner uh, this evening for a charity event for Rob Carney's testimonial that's been called in. So um, I kind of look forward to, to, you know, to hearing his take in, in real time um, about about where he is. I, I, I get a sense that he's very um, excited about the remainder of the year, that, you know, the World Cup is the one thing that he hasn't won. He's won everything else. He's won everything else. He hasn't won, I don't know if he's won European Player of the Year, that's an individual, but he's won Lions Tours, Grand Slams, Captain, uh, European Cups, multiple. Um, you know, Celtic Leagues didn't win the top 14. Okay, so be it. Um, but pretty much everything else that he's, mm. that he's attempted to win, he has done. So it's, it, the one mission is, is the World Cup, and I think there's huge excitement, I'm sure. When you're 37 years of age and your body is on the wane which naturally it has to be and 
at times he looks as though he's pieced together and, and there's no shock that England went after him a number of times including that Don Brandt you know, collision on him that I think was lucky to only get a penalty personally yeah. um, but I think um, I think he, the, the overall feeling is a great excitement around what the potential of this team is later on in the year so um, I think he's a very happy guy he's got a great family set up I think he's been a very very successful captain but had a hugely positive impact on the teams that he's been involved in particularly this Irish team and bringing along some of those younger players and, and some of them are very mature you know I think James Ryan albeit he's only 25 or 6 is a very mature guy you know beyond his years and I get that impression with other guys too that are you know 23, 24, 25 that they're they're in a very good headspace and not getting carried away but I think the the feeling amongst I, I get not that I've heard it, but I get the feeling that it's it's a, it's a it, there's a huge excitement mm. about the the potential and the opportunity that lies ahead. Um, I remember Ron Nagaro when he came towards the end talked about really enjoying the last year or two, like the, you've achieved a certain amount and the weight's off. Um, maybe Sexton's in that place, although I'm sure he's very focused on the World Cup. Did you enjoy? The last year, 18 months in no, particular? Not really, because I was really, the body just didn't want to do what the, what the head um, could still see and wanted it to do. And I found that incredibly frustrating. He's not quite there. No, I wasn't the same athlete, you know. And that was not just in the final year. In the last couple of years, even the Lions tour I went on 2013, I wasn't the same player that I was, you know, a few years previously. Um, I was trying my best, but... I was still, uh, you know, of a particular standard, but it was, I found it frustrating that, you know, it was these guys that were 10 years younger were more athletic than I was. I once possessed that, but it had, it was, it was leaving the building and it's hard to, to see that go and the uncertainty in your own head, even though it mightn't be projected in your performances per se it's it it remains a constant over the course of a of certainly from my last season where by the end I was relieved to have gotten out with without damaging reputation and obviously the fact that you win at the end you know papers over any cracks that that might have yeah. popped up throughout the season of which there were plenty but you know and then leaving that thought that you know maybe there's a bit more there wasn't there really wasn't. I would have, I would have really let myself down in some capacity. I would have loved to have gotten to the next World Cup, yeah. but I, I, w- I don't think I'd have managed a full fifteen months. I really don't. Because he's in that borderline unique position of being at thirty-seven and in his last few months, and everyone's saying, "Geez, he's playing great stuff, as good as ever." In yeah, but it, do you know there's a real cleverness a lot of the time. You know, he. He, he plays the, he plays it so square at the line but I think he could see that rush def- defence coming and he got himself out of those scenarios a bit quicker to not allow in the past he, his bravery would have undone him um, I remember you saying maybe he could let the pass go a touch area yeah but also even watching you know a slightly lateral pass you know where where you know shoulders face the target by the time he threw the pass before it would have been ridiculously square trying to commit the defenders on the inside create space for those outside him now common sense is prevailing where that huge blitz defense coming if you take that square on that fraction of a second release before a collision a referee is going to let you away with it whereas if he throws the pass and goes downfield slightly with it albeit you're not fixing as many defenders on the inside it's there's a bit of self-preservation in that 
that. And that, with him, I've said it before, with other 10s, they do it because they don't like getting hit anymore. I think he realises that he, he needs to do that not to be picked off by you know people that are trying to get shots on him, of which Genge... Ribbons, um, Atoji, uh, Don Brandt all tried to get shots. Don Brandt is probably the most forceful of them, but there was plenty of other very close calls where he just pulled himself out of his momentum going forward and pulled it back a bit. And so they realised when they came into the collision point that it, it was just too long a time between him throwing the pass and him then being able to follow through on the tackle. We won't begrudge him. Uh, touch yourself. No, it's clever. Touch. It's yeah. clever. In, in in other cases, I'd be like, oh, getting a bit windy. Not <laughs> not not in his case. <laughs> Come on, John. Uh, it's funny. Uh, Mick has just typed in. I've checked the internet. There's nothing about the baffler on the. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be Australia. I think they did. It. You know, Australia, Australia against Ireland in the '99 Rugby World Cup '99. I think they did it, and we'd seen it. It was like, but we were we, we, Yeah, we were confused. Um, we we should have renamed it the confuser. The player, we would have been confused running it. Players of the tournament nominees are Keenan Hansen, Doris Dupont, Ramos, Damien Peno. They are great picks, aren't they? Ooh. They are great picks. Do we have to take off our green tinted glasses and give it to Dupont? Possibly. Yeah. He's he's still been exceptional. He's been exceptional. He has. Um. I think because he's won so much over the last few years with individual accolades, be re- I'd be reticent to give it to him on the back of just... But he's still... I think he's probably the best player in the world um, at, at the moment, again, still. Yeah. And I think you would not argue the fact if he did win it. We love a vote, though, in Ireland. I don't know if they love a vote in France to the same degree, so it's based on, on punters voting. There's we every chance we're going to. Yeah, we will. Whereas, yeah, I don't think... Uh, they'd be like, ah, no, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and of Keane and Hans and Doris, how do you separate I them? I actually don't know. I really don't know. I would have said definitely Doris before, um, before Scotland. But obviously he went off early and Conan came on and did a great job and I thought he'd one of his quieter games at, at the weekend uh, comparatively to the first three. You know, I thought he was so good for us. Mac has had two man, um, player of the match performances and Keenan has been so, so solid for us. He's been the foundation for all the great performances. There's this major security that comes with him and a confidence that comes with him. So I actually don't know. So picked upon. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. You can you could pick any of them and I don't think you would feel, anyone would feel necessarily aggrieved. I think if you picked any of the four, I, I personally think... Oh, I don't know. I don't even think you can discount Mac, you know, because he's had two man of the match performances. Um, and he's great crack. Yeah. Yeah, God, no. Like, I would, yeah, when he holds, God, he'd, he'd hold that award in a strange pose when, when he gets it. So, And, and even picking those three of the Irish, well, I don't know how many names you could see there. You could see another five, six James Irish Ryan. names there. Yeah. James Ryan's been outstanding. Um, Rob Kearney said Andrew Porter should be in the mix for a World Player of the Year shortlist. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand that conversation. I think Porter is... I don't know if we said it on here before. Do you ever notice that when anyone makes a line break, Andrew Porter is nearly always the guy, even if he doesn't get him, mm. he's the guy that's always sure. chasing it down. 
Like it's a really, really remarkable work rate that he has. Think the occasional foolish penalty can could can just not derail him, but just is is one point taken off. Yeah. And you, you're going to need ten out of ten for World Player of the Year. But for me, I I think he's one of our really important players, and I, I love watching him because um, he does. It's all it's all court play. It's handling. It's dirty work. It's scrummaging. Yeah. It's Holding chasing, and yeah, 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 it's everything. I was reading he can bench or he can squat three hundred and fifty kgs. Okay, three keen heelys. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> I can't even. Can't even imagine no. the power. Like, do you think you could even hold that on your back for like half a second? <laughs> like with two people? No. No. Well, I, to be honest, I've no concept of what 300... If I, could I hold three keen heelys on my back? It's easier to imagine. Probably not. I don't know. For a second, I think, maybe. Um, anyone else you want to mention from the 32 that played? Like, a lot of really good performances, clearly. Ryan Baird had a very good in you yeah, go. And, he and did. Big steals. We touched on him last night across the Keen. championship. Jeez. You yeah. know? Like, besides the two tries, they, like, his... His play in the loose. His move to right wing. When is that happening? His play in the loose. Like yeah. some of that footwork. Him and Ryan Baird for for footwork. They should be taking drills. Mm. And you know James Lowe and Mac Hansen. Well, less so Mac, but James Lowe would be like, lads, how do you, how do you do that? We're getting his iPhone out and <laughs> recording them to so see. Would, would Lowe be more of a straight runner? Power yeah, he's not. He's not a. Not he's a not a big. He's not a big stepper. No, okay. he's not. He's a power guy. And uh, and you know. And actually, he's he's not as he's faster than he looks you know sometimes the lads used to take the piss out of me that when it got when I got beyond 40 or 50 metres they used to say the head went back and the parachute came out <laughs> and I used to start sl- drag backwards because that was usually down to fatigue <laughs> and it, there's a tiny bit of him that in him but yeah. um, but like he still he, you know he finishes a lot of tries still from 60 out 50 yeah. out yeah. you know so he's, yeah. he's got to have some wheels alright um, but yeah, I, I think geez, Gibson Park, the difference that he made when he came in against uh, against Scotland in particular was really underlined. Yeah, his really, really excellent. Ah, I think great to have Robbie Henshaw back. I th- you know, just a workmanlike performance. Bundy, I thought, was very good against England. Really carried very, very well. Uh, got advantage line, defended well. Um, so yeah, not hard to to, to fault. Uh, too many. Yeah, you know, it was in in a in a crucial clutch game. You know, they there was no one, no one let the occasion get the better of them. I think everyone delivered a, a strong enough performance. Not one yellow card either across the championship. For was there not? No, an Irish player. Not one. That discipline is huge, isn't it? Christine, it really yeah. is. It's huge. It is extraordinary. Um, we're going to talk. I would say half a billion times between now and the World Cup about Ireland's World Cup chances. But uh, do you? anticipate any great evolution in what we're seeing so Ireland are at the cutting edge at the moment France are there as well and they're they're playing a certain brand of rugby and, and presumably Southern Hemisphere will um, regroup in the summer and do their thing as well you know you know, it felt like in, in, in 19 there was this jump and we hadn't quite jumped um, that summer period that Eddie Jones talked about as well the Irish they have mm. Leinster continuity they're practically a club side mm. we'll catch them in the summer that was the Jones there's, line. There's, I, I understand a bit yeah, of that so mentality. There's a logic that's, to that's it. Co- there is logic to it. Yeah. There is. So the, I also the gap think, will narrow, would you think? Yeah, I think sides? it will. Also, this is a t- it's huge. You know, three months for teams to 
um, evaluate what Ireland are doing well and how do they how do they stop it and what what's their USP and how where are they vulnerable? A couple of times England just lacked one extra personnel but but had Ireland on the rack you know got them a little bit narrow if anything Ireland can, can just be caught on the 15 channel can can be got outside the the 13 on occasion Scotland um, did that a bit yeah they did I, I think that's our one it's not an Achilles heel because we haven't because we've only conceded six tries but I think if ever we scramble or feel vulnerable it feels like that's where we just get a tiny bit narrow mm. And whether that's spacing or not mirroring what the opposition are doing in defence, or or having too many bodies in a rook on in a you know defensive rook, or whatever. It, yeah, it's that's the only thing that I sometimes go could a better passing team and a better attacking team with crisp formation get get us on an edge, maybe. Mm. Simon Easterby, come on, man. <laughs> What's, you know, he, what's he been up to uh, the last year? And like every team will have a vulnerability. So, you know, you Sorry, the, the other thing as well, yeah, the other thing as well is, the, you know, there's, we should be excited about it, but very, very wary about World Cup teams, how good teams get at World Cup. New Zealand and South Africa are proper World Cup teams. They really are. They deliver every single time. Mm. And it's a real shame that we have you know four of the top five teams in two pools and on the same side of a draw but that's that's what it is um, but all sides will improve but England will improve significantly I don't think enough to go and win it but I think if they're capable of holding us for 60 minutes in, Lan- in Lazaro and the Aviva then they're capable of finding an yes. extra gear or two. Doesn't have to be champagne rugby. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And they're not going to win. They're not going to win by creating a brand like we have. They're not going to get there. They're, I said they're at different stages. We're at different stages of our evolution, and we're. we're it's a, all to do with again. We mentioned. I don't want to repeat, it, but the ten thousand hour scenario. They they have so much of that ahead of them, so they're going to have to cut their cloth a bit and, and create a, a game plan that works for them. But that. You know, brutal defence which is probably the easiest thing to do and organise yeah. and huge physicality which we know they always have and good kicking game and then you know one or two X-Factor players which they definitely possess like that's a nice little formula to get you to, through to a, a World Cup um, you know semi-final potentially but I think beyond that I think the teams that I mentioned beforehand probably have a bit more than them to, to you know, they'd have to have a huge performance in a in a semi final. So for me, it, you know, the winner, um, the winner you know, comes from our, from our side of the draw. But I, I, maybe Australia are just a bit of a bolter with, with when when Eddie gets organised, and they're the sort of team that could catch us on an edge. They're, they've always been clever footballers, understanding space, how to get it there quickly, yeah. very skillful, good passers. So I, I do feel as though um, Foley and you know Jordan Bataille and these guys, they're, they're good athletes, but very, very good thinkers around yes. putting, you know, finding the space that's available. It's the Australian trademark. It is, it is, and has been. And I suppose they've just lacked the physicality side of things, but I'm sure Eddie will give them a bit of steel in the coming months. Uh, just to briefly mention two quick things. Uh, <coughs> Scott Robertson unveiled. Yeah, yeah, that. So he will be head coach after Ian Foster departs the scene as New Zealand head coach. Ian Foster hates this. I mean, he went, he went public about a month ago to say, I don't think we need to appoint a head coach while I'm still the current it's coach. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a weird dynamic for me is basically what he's saying. You're undermining me. 
very odd how and ever so about Joseph Schmidt is he back into a selector role uh, thereafter I, as what? far as I, I thereafter as in after Foster yeah I don't know if you were Scott Robertson what would you do you'd invite him in I would think no mm. too, he's too big a figure yeah I think I think um, what's his name that's in there now um, Foster um was it was forced upon him? You know, Joe was a selector, and now all of a sudden he's assistant coach. I don't know. If oh, did he get an upgrading of title? Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I think so. Foster didn't go. Oh yeah, no, come on in. Okay. I think a lot of head coaches are very mindful of their territory and and their ideas and it, it being them. Yeah. Um. So I'd be surprised if um if Joe came in to with Robertson in a coaching capacity, but who knows. Mm. Well, I'm surprised Robert. that Joe. Well, you know, I wonder was was Joe had to have aspirations to be the Apparently all black, was, the was, all black coach. It was Jamie Joseph and Scott Robertson. They were the two that really went for it. The reporting. Yeah, I don't know. I I remember Joe years ago was talking about oh when you're all black coach oh mate I don't you know, no aspirations. <laughs> I was like what? Of course you have aspirations. This is when he's Irish coach. But he does seem to have a, gen, a genuine disdain for that front of house media pressure. He just seems like somebody who wants to be on the pitch doing the rugby. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe there's, there's scar tissue from, you know, what happened with Ireland at the end. And I'm sure he's reading a lot of the reports as to what's been said of late. You know, that can't be easy reading. No. Um, you know, with you know Andrew Porter and the and the speed bumps in Carton and all that stuff, and you know it does eventually. Sometimes it takes a while for it all to tease out. But best environment I've ever been involved in. They were so happy and all of that stuff. Be yeah. tricky. And Joe was always someone that read a lot of um, what was being spoken about in the media. I'm sure just because he's on the other side of the world doesn't mean that he hasn't he's disconnected from it. So that has maybe that's left a a, a mark on him, but. Um, there's no doubt you know he's still got a phenomenal legacy here in Ireland and, mm. and we should be very thankful yeah, for yeah, for absolutely. for the foundations that he built even in in this team too yeah I think even Sexton over, just over the weekend found time to call him a genius you know and uh, what we're seeing now is built and what Schmidt did as well uh, one other odd one for you this is getting way too ahead of ourselves I'm going past the World Cup now at this stage oh yeah no you'd be, that, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be crazy not to talk about World Cup 2027 with the, with the under 20s coming know, through back to back Grand Slam sorry apparently the next Oh yeah, batch are better than oh, so I believe. this yeah. batch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, we should. Thanks. We've every reason to absolutely no, lose sorry. our marbles. Sorry, now. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean that as a joke. Apparently, they are. Oh, they are. Okay. I, I heard that too. It was Tony Bow said Anthony Farrell shoe in for Lions Australia twenty twenty five. Say that is to happen. Does Paul O'Connell or, or or someone in that backroom team become the the Rob Howley and take charge of Six Nations and Farrell takes a step back for Six Nations. Do you think that Andy Farrell's not going to be insisting on having Paul O'Connell with them, you know, in a, in a Lions setup? Paul O'Connell, Lions legend, yeah. you know, leader of men. But could, could he take charge of Six Nations? Oh, he could do Six coach. Nations and then do the tour, yeah. Yeah, he Andy, could. Yeah. yeah, he could. Would, would, if Andy Farrell becomes Lions coach in yeah, 25... Yeah, he's going to have to, you know, has to step, step away. Yeah. Can't be Ireland coach during Six Nations. Well, the, the, I um, was chatting to some of the guys in the Lions recently and I think you could you could do the November and I, my, my take on it was it's okay to do the November because you're not competing against any of those players you're going to be selecting but I don't... I didn't feel it was right that the, that the Lions coach should do... Six Nations 
and I think they were kind of largely in agreement. Um, but but also, you, you know, you've got to have an ability to rather than f- just focus on your own team, you know, watching all games and analysing all teams and all individuals. So it's it's a big role because it's a, a juggernaut and it's a, it's a... So do we want him to do that then? Uh, like greedily let's, saying, let's, let's, Andy, let's, stay. Let's let's take baby steps. Like, we, why do we have to make a decision now? I don't know. I'm I, just, I presume it'll happen after <laughs> after the World Cup. <laughs> I'm just killing time here. I'm just asking. <laughs> Are we not? Are no, we we're not. I'm for, just for, I'm just for content here, Mick. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> Anything on the baffler, for the love of God. Uh, I'm just curious your thoughts because I'm thinking, I got it's all gone so well. But then the other side, got Paul O'Connell getting experience of. But it's situations. inevitable that Paulie will be the Ireland coach too. So like he's third. Sorry, he's not. He's forty-three. Is he a year younger than me? He's forty-three. So, like. What's what's the mad rush of getting him in? Like we should, if God forbid, if everything goes great later on this year, and Andy's World there, and there right? Like, are we trying to offload Andy immediately no. and get get the next brew through? No, no, you know, get Paulie in there immediately. I'm, I'm, He's done. We we've used all his IP. He's gone. Get some new concepts in. Like, let's hang on to that guy for a while. I'm saying we keep Farrell. Like, good luck, Australia, 2025. Yeah, but. It's not just about us. I think you've got to allow. Imagine, I, I would if he was asked to be. It's an honour to be sure. Lions coach. Yeah, and he's be pretty runner. annoyed if you if your national team said no. No, he'd have to. No, a huge honour like that. No, we want to keep you for the next World Cup. Do you envisage it as uh, almost akin to New Zealand, where Paul O'Connell as sort of the assistant, he's next in, in the way that Farrell was next in after Joe Schmidt? Do you think that that will become a thing? I, I only in this case because Paulie will ultimately want to be head coach at some point I would suggest um, and because you kind of feel as though he's made for it um, so I, I think that continuation is huge in all environments coming in afresh I think there's it is it slows things down for a six month or year long period before you get new ideas and you know, even I suppose Pivax is a is a kind of strange scenario where he won the slam within a year of Gats going, and then but then has a disaster after it. So, yeah. I think I think the continuation piece is important around somewhat similar messaging and you know commonalities from a regime, particularly if it's been successful. Yeah. The only reason to change everything is that the teams. It's it's been a disaster, you know. Finished to the tenure of that coach or that coaching ticket. Whereas when it's gone pretty well, as it did with Joe Schmidt yeah. up to the World Cup, the the obvious thing is a continuation of make sure you carry on all of the good stuff that you built on, and yeah. then add your own flavour to things too. So O'Connell's in twenty seven to thirty five. Who? <laughs> Where's Rod fitting into this? I mean, it's a genuine question. Is that everyone will be like Rog and Paulie together? Yeah. Nah. No. Don't see it. No. Don't see it. No. Don't see it. Um, I think both very, very strong in their own ways. And not that I necessarily know both of their styles or their way, but I don't know. Just that something tells me I'm, I'm not entirely sure that that's a combination that will that we will see. Um, but they're like both doing. Just fine. Exceptionally yeah. well. Not fine. Both doing exceptionally well in yeah. the detail that Paulie's brought to this Ireland team and, you know, the 
consistency that Raj brought in a short space of time to a La Rochelle team and winning Europe, like that's that's a huge, huge delivery from him. So we should be very excited that we're, that of yes. our homegrown talent. You know, for years we were looking further field, and even not that long ago, you know, with Graham Rowntree now and you know Stuart Lancaster and Andy, you know, coaches that weren't wanted by England anymore. Now all of a sudden we've got this glut of you know new coaches come through, and who knows with other players that will retire in the coming years whether they might yeah. decide to be coaches too. So uh, final words, sum it up, uh, Irish rugby, yeah, twenty twenty three. Very, very exciting to the 21st of March, 2023. And, you know, it's, I think we we deserve another week to enjoy it, um, to be able to go, what a great achievement from a fabulous team. Yeah. I was asked, is it the best Irish team um, that I've ever seen? That's yeah, certainly in my lifetime, it is. And I was involved in some, some good teams, but to a man across the board, strength and depth, um, Games, you know, game plan, strategy, defence, individual flair. This team just has an awful lot of that, and so um, I think that's it's almost, um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's inevitable that everyone's going to think it's the best team that Ireland um, has has ever produced, and the CV to back it up. You know, yeah, it's 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 kind of rhetorical to be honest with you. I don't think I don't think now at this point we need to question that mm. it's um, they it, and, and because it's not just delivery of victories I, I talked on on ITV at the weekend about before the New Zealand tour for me one of the huge huge performances was the defeat to France in, in Paris last year the Six Nations where they were brilliant and we never went away right at the end we could have stolen it whereas Irish teams in the past would have been beaten by 15 or 20 that day and I just thought wow there's proper steel in this team and for me that was huge building blocks and then going on and achieving down in in New Zealand was you know was was fabulous and and another injection of confidence into the arm and they're just ticking all these things along the way the Scotland performance in adversity last week and and pressure this time around but still finding a way um when all the expectation was on them like they just they haven't left that many things before a world cup to 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 deliver to give themselves the best shot but until we do go and do it in a world cup will always be that team yeah and that's the reality of it and people have every right to shoot us down as you know as someone that you know peaks between world cups and so on you still have to get it done yeah. at the time that it really counts which we have not managed to do Steve Hansen did just this week I saw that I, had, I saw that had this, this kind of reflex to go well hang on a minute and then <clears throat> okay okay they're we'll right we'll they see. are right and I, I unfortunately I I have to live that as you know, someone that was involved in four of them, and you know, it's it does. You look back and reflect on your career. You do think of the great days, but you also think about what you missed, what you what you didn't get done, and what others have managed to do, and and you don't have one of them. And so, a World Cup medal, of course, and but we weren't World Cup no. winning standard. We never were in those four World Cups. No. We weren't. We could have gotten to a semi final, but we were never going to win it. Whereas you know, con- being confident this time round. It's the first time that you could genuinely say that there's a chance with lots going right for us that we could be World Cup champions. But... Yeah. 
On that note, our rugby and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Brian Driscoll, thank you very much. Here's Joe. Brian O'Driscoll on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.